morning. It is 9 a.m. on Monday, March 30th. This is Community Pulse, your local report and update on the coronavirus situation here in Mid-Missouri. You can catch Community Pulse every weekday morning at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. As the case count continues to rise in Missouri and across the country, the U.S. is now leading the world with the highest number of cases. Joining me by phone to discuss this and much more is Dr. Elizabeth Alleman, local family physician and host of Your Health Matters, which airs every Wednesday at 6 p.m. on KOPN. Good morning, Elizabeth. Good morning, Tim, <clears throat> and good morning to our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I just want to say that these numbers are sobering, and as the wave of COVID uh, virus and disease and sadly, death begins to lap the shores of Missouri and Boone County. Um, all of us are going to notice a rise in our fear. And um, let's just be honest about that and know that um, there are ways to cope with that. So one of the ways I'm doing that is uh, gratefulness and singing um, and knowing that there's so much grace for us and having spring arrive at about the same time. So those of us who are physically able and can stay at a distance from others, can get outside and really enjoy the sunshine and the bird song. So that's the first thing I want to say. Um, and then let's get into the sobering stuff. Uh, worldwide, over 720,000 cases. And we can remember that for various reasons, those are gross undercounting. So we're probably looking at more like 7 million, um, 34,000 deaths, probably not as much of an undercount, and 156,000. Uh, recovered also probably way undercounted, and uh, we don't know for sure those numbers. Um, United States, as you said, is now in the lead with the highest number of cases worldwide, 140,000 and rising rapidly. Our rate of increase is um, close to 20%, um, and that gives us a doubling time of, I don't know, three days or something. Um, Two and a half thousand deaths and 4,000 recovered. In Missouri, we have 900 cases, which is a sharp increase, partly because of increased testing, but I don't think we can account for all of that with increased testing. Other people will reevaluate this in the future and give me an idea about whether I was right about that. Uh, 12 deaths. Uh, we, don't, we haven't had it around here long enough to have anybody documented recovered from the disease. Um, and in Boone County, we have 54 cases and one death. So we have more documented cases in St. Charles County. Um, uh, I don't know. Sometime last week, they said that we had the highest per capita cases documented in Boone County. So I wonder whether that's because there's so much travel in and out with this uh, beautiful community that is a lovely small town in the Midwest, but also has a, uh, access to the, to, to the world. It's sobering so, news indeed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so people are wondering, like, what can I do to get ready? First, make sure you take a deep breath and um, stay focused. We cannot prepare from a, from a place of panic. But And if you haven't already done this, this would be a time to, to look again and check on your own supplies of what you would need if you just knew you were going to get a respiratory illness, like a cold or the flu, next week, um, or an intestinal illness. So you want to make sure that you have tissues or a cloth alternative. Uh, you want to have a thermometer, um, simple the simple foods and fluids that you would want to, to consume, um, and uh, how you would manage discomfort. Uh, people use things like heating pads or hot water bottles or cooling cloths. Um, there's a lot of controversy about which fever reducers, which pharmaceutical fever reducers we should use. A lot of uh, discussion about the safety of acetaminophen, the 
ingredient in Tylenol or ibuprofen, which is in uh, Advil um, or um, naproxen. Uh, so the the <clears throat> non-steroidal excuse me the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories of ibuprofen and naproxen may um, undermine the body's response to to, to the coronavirus. Um, and so there are many people saying, oh, use Tylenol preferentially. Um, and I'm just going to say it's early days. We don't know for sure. I want to also remind people that uh, ibuprofen is a glutathione inhibitor. And glutathione is a very important um, uh, biochemical intermediate in the ability of the body to detoxify. Um, and so I think I would be cautious with either one. Um, there are many ways to get yourself through a fever without using uh, pharmaceuticals in death-case scenarios. People often ask me what number on the thermometer I would treat with, and I honestly um, don't have a number like that. I generally recommend people consider reducing fever if they are dealing with dehydration because the fever burns up a lot of uh, fluid or if they're um, unable to rest for some period of time and the fever reducer helps them rest more. Um, so that, that's that. Um, and uh, I am just going to dip my toe in, Tim. I think these are things that can make people really be fearful, but I think we should all be, you know, we're all facing our mortality anyway. I think we're all afraid that this virus is going to kill us or someone we love. And the truth is, it, it is we are likely to lose people we love. I'm not, not sure anybody is going to be exempt from that. And so this is a time to say, you know, finish up our business, to tell people you love them, reconcile differences if you think that's reasonably possible, and get your affairs in order. If you, you don't have a will um, or you don't have your finances where you need them, um, do that. Have conversations with people you would want to be uh, the guardians or the helpers of your minor children, not in any... Um, grotesque way, but just these are things that we should all have in place anyway. Um, and this is a time when we're thinking about dying anyway that we probably ought to do that. And the thing is to have our advanced directives in order. These are the legal documents and the verbal agreements with people about what kind of care you would and would not want to receive at the end of life. There's lots of discussion right now about whether everybody will have access to being being um, allowed, you know, getting intensive care unit kind of care and being on a ventilator. And those things are in dire shortage and we need to do all we can to continue to flatten the curve so that we won't, there won't be a waiting list for those things and to increase um, capacity. And people are doing that and thank you so much to every person who is doing either of those things. Um, but the other question is, would you want that? There are some people who are who have enough other health problems or their quality of life is limited now or provide that kind of care that they might want to investigate and begin to have discussions with their loved ones and their primary care providers about setting those things in order so that if we get seriously ill, that's settled and not a thing that still needs to be um, determined. And again, so, this is all in the spirit of preparedness. It's not meant to instill fear have, or anything like that. Right, Tim. I have these conversations with people every day in my office when there's no pandemic. So mm -hmm. these, are, these are things like, you know, washing your hands that we should be doing all the time. We're just now talking about it a lot. Um, I think it makes sense to have two weeks' worth of meals at home. 
so that you can easily get in line and not feel impatient about having your groceries um, or your restaurant prepared food delivered at home, delivered, or that you can stand in line for the curbside. Now, you're not physically standing in line. We're not doing any standing in line now. We are uh, standing in line uh, virtually. Um, because the really the only safe way to get um, ourselves resupplied is to curbside pickup or have it delivered. Going into a store is a thing that people I think are still doing, and I really want to discourage that. So, um, and then let's get to some questions. People sent in some questions. Do you have those as recordings, or are you going to read them? How are we going to do that? Well, most of them were sent as emails, so we don't have recordings. But I I do want to cut in briefly and say that um, we have been getting a lot of feedback from listeners, and it's very much appreciated. So if you have a question that you'd like to ask on this program or uh, maybe a a short story or anecdote, uh, something to do with your your particular situation dealing with the coronavirus, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to hear from listeners. We want to hear your unique local perspective about how you're dealing with this um, so that we can yeah. share it with our community because that's that's part of what all of this is about and we really appreciate listeners calling in or emailing their questions and if you do have a question uh, you can send an email to gm at kopn.org or if you want to leave it as a message you can call 573-874-1139 and leave your question or comment as a message and uh, we'll get to it and maybe we'll respond to it on the program. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so important, Tim. The reason that I'm doing this is that I really want people to have access to the answers they need. And, um, you know, I am not uh, trained to be a hospitalist or an intensive care unit uh, physician. I'm so uh, grateful for my colleagues who are doing that, and I can't be helpful in that way. So I really want to be helpful in this way. Yeah, and we all appreciate it. So let's get into these questions. I know we had a question about pets. Mm -hmm. and, And can a pet that is indoor, outdoor, that comes and goes as she pleases, uh, can they be a, a vector for contamination? Say if somebody pets your cat or dog while they're out in the front yard and then your dog or cat comes inside and you touch your pet, is that a, a something to worry about? So this is a beautiful question, and um, I love the way people are really thinking about how to keep themselves safe. Um, And so this brings up the concept of a fomite, F-O-M-I-T-E. And that is a, I'm not sure whether whether it's a a thing, um, and a a pet is sort of in between a thing, but a non-human item that um, can uh, transmit the disease without actually being infected. So it's, you know, like if you hand a pen back and forth and um, you transfer the virus onto somebody's hands and then they put it on their face. So the pen is in a fomite. So the question is, can a pet be a fomite? And I don't know. I think that's unlikely. And there are no official recommendations concerning that. And what we know is that things like fabric and cardboard, which are porous, uh, the virus does not live as long on those surfaces. So I don't know, but I'm petting my animals without any fear. Okay. So, and do we know if domestic animals can contract the virus, say a cat or a dog? Yeah, so there is some thought that maybe dogs have tested positive for the the virus. I think there are very few documented cases. It's not it there's no documented cases that I'm aware of of an animal becoming sick or of transmitting it. So that yeah, I think it, we have a really pretty good idea, Tim, about the most common ways this disease is spread, and that's not one of them. Okay, good to hear. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, on to our next question. I know a lot of people are struggling with social distancing at this time and not being able to be close to their friends or loved ones that are outside of their household. And so we have a question about um, whether it's safe to hug somebody, even if you're holding your breath or maybe even wearing a face guard or something like that. Uh, Is it safe to just have one or two hugs outside of your household? So this is so hard because hugs are so healthy and um, are an important part of our maintaining our immune system. And I totally understand this. And right now the current recommendation is absolutely not that a hug is close contact, that we would expect that the person who, a person who is sick or shedding virus would be covered with virus and then you would have the virus on your clothes and on any part of you that touched them. And that breath holding isn't going to help you. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a beautiful question. It's like that question of like, are we getting this by touching things or are we getting this by breathing the air? And the answer is yes, we're getting it both ways. So uh, breathing the same indoor air or close proximity outdoor air or even distant air for very long is probably a way that we get this illness. Um, and that the droplets that we breathe out, the aerosols, those invisible spray of what we breathe out um, can hang in the air. I am seeing somewhere between 30 minutes and three hours. So if you have approached someone enough, close enough to get them, give them a hug, you are breathing their air um, even before you hold your breath to get the hug. So um, please don't. Mm, Thank you for that clarification. Uh, I guess we covered surfaces for the most part. Um, really, oh, I really want to talk about Do you want to get more into that? Okay, yeah, go ahead. so somebody sent a beautiful video, and mm-hmm. can you put that link up on um, our I certainly Facebook can. page or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, the, I haven't listened to all of it. Um, it's a very heartfelt um, clarity from an intensive care unit physician in New York City. And um, he says many things that are very helpful, but I'm going to tell you my concern about it, and that is that he is absolutely disagreeing with the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization in his recommendations about what kind of precautions we need to take. And he seems to be saying that it's perfectly safe to go outside as long as you're wearing a mask and you hand sanitize every time you touch a thing. And I am really concerned about that. Um, And I am concerned that he may be using this as a coping strategy to get through a really difficult time, and I wish him well. But I do not want any of my friends and neighbors to believe that it's perfectly fine to go to the grocery store as long as you hand sanitize after every time you touch something. Um, So, uh, so, and again, in another six months or another year or 10 years, we may have some really different data about this. But right now in early days, I feel it's so important to listen to the people who are the, our biggest experts, especially when they are all agreeing. So when the Centers for Disease Control in China and the United States and the World Health Organization all say that the primary way this is spread is by droplets and aerosols, that is breathing in other people's air, and that uh, fomites, touching objects, is a secondary way, but still a common way, I think that to make a statement like he does that he can be confident he is not going to get this because he hand sanitizes, even though he works in a hospital where he's sharing indoor air with many people who are sick. Um, I think is a, I think it's just confusing to people, and I still want to be clear that what we need to do in the public is to stay 
um, only share indoor air with our household members and to stay at a distance from everybody else um, and primarily interact out, uh, outdoors. Um, and primarily from a waving distance. If you can shout and hear somebody um, for more than just a hello, blessings to you, then you may be too close. So um, please, let's stay away from each other, even with the hand sanitizer. The other concern I have is that hand sanitizer has gotten to be a limited item, and I really think our healthcare professionals need those, primarily when they're in the hospital. So I'm concerned that people are going to be overconfident for a gazillion reasons that um, they don't have to worry about getting this because they're wearing a mask or they're hand sanitizing, and I and that they can still go shopping. And please don't. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. We have to balance protecting ourselves and protecting those who are protecting us. Right, and the other thing I want to say is that soap and water is your friend. So soap and water is the most effective way to deal with contamination on your hands and contaminations on surfaces. So there are other options. Alcohol-based ones are the next best, is my understanding from all the expert recommendations, because the virus has a lipid or a fat coating on it, and so soap and alcohol are going to be your best bets on dissolving that. Uh, People are often feeling like they need a brand name cleanser or a bleach-based solution, and I am not aware of any evidence that that is better than soap and water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah. Well, to, to yeah. shift gears slightly, I, yeah. I, I just want to say mm-hmm. it's been so heartening to see the many creative ways that folks are stepping up to help one another during this time, you know, from helping their right. neighbors to organized mutual aid efforts to the initiatives for people to sew masks at home. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think that the term silver lining is perhaps appropriate in this scenario because, you know, many people are going to be dying. But my, my hope is that perhaps this crisis will shift our behaviors and habits in some way and that after all of this is over, we just won't go back to the status quo of capitalism and survival of the fittest. And perhaps we've learned a thing or two about how we can work together and help one another. May it be true, Tim. I I couldn't agree more. I want to make sure that people know that testing is still available um, in the uh, all the hospitals in Jefferson City and, and Columbia with a physician order, um, and that you can get a physician order from your primary care provider, or if you don't have one, you can get that by calling me, 443-7070, um, or by going to my website and filling out a survey. Um, and uh, we, exciting news on the horizon, on Friday, the FDA cleared a antibody test, which is a test for if you have had it. Um, so we could maybe go over what an antibody test and an antigen test are tomorrow, but I, it's not available today. The FDA just cleared it on Friday, and there are people working day and night to see if we can bring that to us because it's going to really help us identify the people who may be immune. Do we have any so, idea how long that'll take to, to reach the masses? Tim, this is, we are living in, in a time of, of miracles and magic, mm-hmm. um, and I would have not thought we would be able to, to do the testing we're doing already. Um, so I don't know, but I am, I, I am, I'm just excited. We're going to have to take it one day at a time. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much, Dr. Alleman. Is there welcome. anything else you want to leave us with? No, we're, I think, though, that unless something else happens, I think that we've got a, um, a topic for tomorrow, and that's antigens and antibodies, because we can also talk about some of the interesting therapeutics that are coming through. 
Great. And we would love to hear questions, comments, and stories yep. from our listeners. And so if you do have uh, something you want to mention, again, you can email your question or comment to gm at kopn.org, or you can leave a message at KOPN's office. That number is 573-874-1139. We would love to hear from you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, I Elizabeth. Can. All right. That's it for today's edition of Community Pulse. Again, we would love to hear from you, so if you have a question or comment, give us a call or send us an email. That number again is 573-874-1139, or you can email gm at kopn.org. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up next is an abridged version of Background Briefing. We'll be back tomorrow with Community Pulse at 9 a.m. here on KOPN. KOPN.